Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. It's been a tradition here at Stonebridge that at Christmas and Easter, when the gospel is read, the congregation stands. So I'm going to invite you, as you are able, to stand for the reading of the gospel today from Matthew chapter 28, where you listen for the word of the Lord. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the tomb. Look, there was a great earthquake, for an angel from the Lord came down from heaven. Coming to the stone, he rolled it away and sat on it. Now his face was like lightning and his clothes as white as snow. The guards were so terrified of him that they shook with fear and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, Don't be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here, because he's been raised from the dead, just as he said. Come, see the place where they laid him. Now, hurry, go tell his disciples, he's been raised from the dead, he's going on ahead of you to Galilee, you will see him there. I've given this message to you. With great fear and excitement, they hurried away from the tomb and ran to tell his disciples. But Jesus met them and greeted them. They came and grabbed his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers that I'm going into Galilee. They will see me there. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So we've had a great uh, season of Lent. Um, It's been very meaningful. We've had a variety of things going on. started with uh, Ash Wednesday, Back on February 22nd, anybody remember February? Golly, just blink your eyes and it's gone. Um, so yeah, Lent, a 40-day season of uh, intentional introspection, uh, looking at the Gospels and the life of Jesus and the beliefs of the of basic Christian beliefs, and where am I? Do I need to improve in this? Do I need to stop doing that? Do I? And, and that's, it's an intentional season for that. And we've been doing that all through Lent. Uh, we've had, uh, a week ago we had Palm Sunday, and it was, a, it was a fun worship service, and the kids had the egg hunt after church. And, uh, well, I've, you know, normally it, it takes 37 seconds for that to happen. But I think we had 10,000 eggs this year, so it took a little longer. But it was, it was, a great, it was great fun. Uh, and then uh, Thursday night we had the Maundy Thursday service. Uh, took communion, remembering Jesus' last supper and then uh, with his disciples, and then uh, uh, Friday night was Good Friday. Uh, we live-streamed that from this room, and so uh, many of you were here for that night. All along the way, uh, there's been a lot of people participate in various ways. I'm, I really appreciate all the work. The musicians have gone above and beyond. There's been people who have been readers in these special services. There's been extra musicians. There's been all kinds of people uh, participating, and that's made it a really, really wonderful, meaningful time uh, together. And, and we've also, many of you have participated in one way or another uh, because of the tapestry, that frame over there, the other side of the flowers. Um, the tapestry I- image is something we've used all through Lent because if, if you've ever seen a tapestry made, it, it's made on a loom. And, and when the weaver begins, it just it begins with these threads at the bottom and you add a thread and you add a thread and you add a thread and... And, and at first, I mean, anybody looking at it would say, I have no idea what that's going to be, right? There's no picture to it. You have no idea, except the tapestry maker knows. 
And they're working at it and working at it. And there comes a point where you begin, you could go, oh, I see it. Now it makes sense. Now I know what it looks like. So we've been using that uh, and, and given all the, the kinds of tangible, tactile things that, that are described and used in, uh, in the gospel uh, during the time of Jesus' last days. Um, I mean, there's the palms, and there's the crown of thorns, and there's the robe the soldiers threw around him, and there's, I mean, all these different, we thought, let's make a tapestry here, so that we all kind of contribute to it, all through Lent, we've had, some of you have done this, you've come up and taken the square pieces of cloth, and you've poked them in the holes through the netting, and, and you're maybe looking at that now thinking, well, that's not what it looked like last Sunday, <laughs> well, that's right, it looks very different today, doesn't it, it looks very different today, because we have a master tapestry maker who takes what we do, takes our efforts, and can create things that are beautiful. That's the, that's, the, that's the theme of Easter. It's new life. It's butterflies. It's hope. So, of all the things uh, that you think of when it comes to uh, Easter, all the things in the Bible that have led up to this point, uh, all the questions that we may have about uh, the resurrection... Um, there are two really basic statements that uh, sum up the meaning of the resurrection. We often want to know how, like we want to know how on of everything. How, how did creation happen? Well, you know what? The Bible doesn't say the how. The Bible says the why. God created the world so that there could be God, witnesses to God's glory. So just like the resurrection, we don't know how it happened, but we believe that it did happen. The how is up to God. So we believe in the resurrection, and there are these two statements that really convey the meaning and the purpose of the resurrection. The first one is, Jesus is risen. And the second one is, Jesus is Lord. Pretty simple sentences. Jesus is risen. Jesus is Lord. So we'll talk about Jesus is risen to start with. Uh, the resurrection is pretty key to the Christian faith, Right? It's pretty key to the Christian faith. Without the resurrection, we wouldn't have any of this. We wouldn't have any of this. Now, I'm not saying that God would not have worked out some other way to deliver salvation to humanity. I'm not saying that wouldn't have happened, but we wouldn't have what we know. I mean, if, if Jesus had, had done the things he did, said the things he did, and made the Roman authorities angry, and they executed him on a cross like thousands of other Jews that were killed in that way and then they laid him in a tomb and that was it he would have just been another Jew executed at the hands of the Roman government that'd be it so the resurrection is pretty key to the belief that we Christians have about God's activity in the world and God's purposes now, when, when, we, when you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Bible, interestingly, they all record this a little bit differently. They all describe it a little bit differently. Now, they all have a story of the empty tomb. Often there's an angel involved. Sometimes Jesus is there. Sometimes he's not. But it's, it's the same story. There's an empty tomb. He is risen, just as he said. And then the appearance after that to the disciples, because he said, I'm going to meet the disciples there, Right? It's, that's described differently too. I mean, here in Matthew, if we had kept reading, <clears throat> you get to the point where he does meet them in Galilee, like he said he would, and he meets them up on a mountain, which occurs more than once in the Gospel of Matthew. 
And he talks with the disciples and he says, go and make disciples of all people throughout the world, baptizing them and teaching them to obey all, all that I have commanded. It's the Great Commission, we call it. In Luke, uh, it's on the road to Emmaus. As they're leaving Jerusalem and walking on, traveling to the village of Emmaus, that's when he reveals himself and they see him. In the Gospel of John, it's when he appears to the disciples who are behind closed doors, except Thomas is missing. Thomas is out doing something else. He's not there. And when Thomas comes back, they say, hey, we saw the Lord. And Thomas is like, no, I don't think that's true. I don't think that happened. He doubts, doubting Thomas. And so a week later, Jesus returns when Thomas is there. So they're, they're all slightly different. Now, it bothers some people when the Gospels record things differently and, and have different accounts for things. Um, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't bother me uh, because these, these disciples uh, and others wrote these at different times in different places. I mean, I told a few weeks ago of how, how Matthew uh, uh, traveled. Well, he took Jesus seriously. <laughs> Jesus said, go and make disciples of all people. So uh, Matthew went to Ethiopia. So they went to different places, and as they wrote their accounts of the good news of Jesus Christ, they wrote in ways that made sense to the people where they were, so it, made, so it would connect with them. And part of what that teaches me is that Jesus meets us where we need to be met. Jesus meets us where we need to be met. You know, it's like Jesus goes somewhere else and says, okay, well, you've got you to come find me. Jesus meets us where we need to be met. So there's always hope. There's always hope. And when you think about all that had led up to Jesus' crucifixion, even though he had told the disciples this was going to happen, he had told them, we're going to Jerusalem where I will, where I will be arrested and betrayed and I will die on a cross. But on the third day, I'll rise from the dead. Well, they seemed to forget that. Because after he was crucified, they went into hiding. With the resurrection, he began to appear, and they began to go, oh, now it makes sense. Now we get it. You said this was going to happen this way. Oh, my goodness. It begins to make sense. There's always hope, because the master tapestry maker is at work. So Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Uh, now, now, Lord is, is a word we don't use that much in our society and culture, Right? Uh, you read it in history. Uh, we may have bumper stickers that says Jesus is Lord, but we don't really use the word much in the ways that we converse with one another. Because a Lord is it's a ruler. It's an authority that, that says, I want things to go a certain way. And the people in that place say, okay, that's what, that's what we need to do. Because the Lord has said that. Okay, so think about the implications. Jesus is Lord. That we take our marching orders, so to speak, from Jesus. Not other groups, not other people, not other movements, not other causes. To say that in the first century was radical and dangerous. You know world history. You know how the Romans treated those early Christians. Because, because in, in Rome... The Caesars, uh, there, there was that period of time where, uh, where it was ruled by an emperor and they saw themselves as the son of God. Not the God we worship, might have been the God Zeus or something, but it was not, 
But they saw themselves as the Son of God, and they demanded to be called Lord. They thought they were Savior. So in that day and time, for someone to say, Jesus is Lord, Jesus, who is a Jewish peasant from the village of Nazareth, (laughs) that did not go over well in the Roman Empire. As a matter of fact, it was viewed as treason, that you were saying your allegiance was to someone other than Caesar. So it's a radical, and in the first century at least, a very dangerous statement to make. Jesus is Lord. So that would mean if if Jesus is Lord for us, that we align our, our attitudes, our beliefs, our actions on the teaching and example of our Lord Jesus. Right? That's what we do. Well, and what are those? I mean, you know, do I have to read all four Gospels to know that? Well, there's a few things you can say just in a nutshell. I mean, here's some of the things. I mean, because Jesus was, was consistent about this. Jesus was consistent in these teachings, regardless of the differences in the Gospel accounts of some things. He was consistent. You know, things like love each other. <laughs> Don't seek advantage over another person. Take care of the vulnerable people in your community. Forgive those who have wronged you. Obey the commandments. These are things that Jesus not only taught, Jesus did. So that would be our example of our Lord. Well, what about, what about real life? What about everyday life? What, what, what might that look like? What might be an example? So I, I enjoy reading memoirs. I love reading, I just love reading people's stories about Christians, people of faith, but also all kinds of other people. I just find it fascinating to hear about the influences in their life and how they made their decisions and things that happened. I'm fascinated by that. And, and uh, I've, I find them also on uh, news feeds and such. You know, every now and then, here's so-and-so's story. And so I, I was reading one one day, and it was by this woman who uh, didn't want to make her name public, but she... Uh, just used the name Jennifer as she wrote about herself. She wrote about the time when she was in middle school. Who among us doesn't look back on middle school and say, that was the best time of my life? So if you're in middle school, by the way, it gets better, really. Hang in there. I promise you. I promise you it gets better. Um, So uh, just like anyone else, we all want to fit in, right? She wanted to fit in with some group, and there was this group of girls that she really liked them. They were the popular girls. You know who they are. And she wanted to be with them. She wanted to hang out with them because she liked them and felt like she could connect with them. And so she would do things like at the, at the, in the lunchroom, uh, she'd try to go sit with them. Or if they were hanging out outside between classes or something, she'd try to go and be with them. Or, you know, she'd just try to be around them. And generally, they just kind of ignored her. But the more she tried, they eventually began to resort to insults and bullying and began to call her names and began to be really, really mean to her. This was, of course, very upsetting. I mean, that's upsetting to anybody at any age, anywhere, when you're being rejected and called names. So she was, she was very, very upset by this. And, and the thing about this group of girls is that they had a, this group had a, had a ringleader, right? Every group has a leader. 
And when you think about those kinds of groups, often any of the individuals in that group would not act in the ways that they do, except they have a ringleader who encourages them and emboldens them. And so they kind of have their own little synergy going. And so this ringleader is particularly mean. And, you know, it would turn into things like, like you know, she, they, would, they would look for her, like coming, walking out of a classroom or when she's at her locker. And they'd go and they'd call her names and they'd say things like, you know, well, you're stupid. And she'd say, well, you're stupid, right? You're fat. Well, you're fat. Well, this was very upsetting. And so most days she said she, uh, on the bus ride home, she cried. She didn't have anybody she connected with. She felt alone. She, uh, it was just horrible. And, and she also didn't want to let her family know. She was embarrassed to let her family know this was going on. So before she'd get home, she'd always wipe the tears and get herself together and, you know, go in, even though we all need support in those kinds of times, need to tell somebody. So this continued, and then it got to summer, and, and what she found out was that the ringleader girl moved away. And she was like, yes, maybe it'll stop now. Except another girl moved to town and started going to school, and she got caught up with this group of girls, and she became a new ringleader. And she was just as vicious as the one before. So one day, she was, uh, it was at the end of the school day, she's in the locker room. She's trying to get all of her stuff out of her locker so she could leave. She did this every day. She just tried to hurry as fast as she could to get her stuff. She wanted to get out of the building. And she especially wanted to that day because, because the only other person in the room right then was that ringleader girl. And so... She was hurrying and hurrying, and that ringleader girl comes over to her, leans against the locker, and says, I hear you've been insulting my girls. Well, she just, Jennifer looked at her dumbfounded for a few minutes, and then just, just started crying. Just started crying. And, and just told her the whole story. Just started talking. She had held it in so long, she couldn't do it anymore. She just told her the whole thing, thinking, well, this is it. Now it's just going to get worse now. But that girl did something that changed Jennifer's life. She said, I'm sorry. I didn't know that. I'm going to tell the girls to quit being mean to you. You want to know what it looks like in a moment to live under the lordship of Jesus? That might be a picture to have in your head. To in a moment say, oh, wait... I've got new information. Oh, wait, this is a hurting individual. Maybe I need to care for that person more than anything else right now. I know it's easy to think it's just me. It's one person. It's one incident. But those other girls really did quit being mean to her. (laughs) Maybe they got the message. Maybe they realized, I need to not do that. And maybe they told others, you know what, let's not bully somebody. And it spreads. It was just, might be just one act, but it spreads. And, well, just like this tapestry. When you think back, some of you have done that. You came over and you put a piece of material in there. Maybe just put one, maybe three, maybe ten. You put those in there. And if that's all that happened, it, it, yeah, it'd, it'd be ugly. It'd be terrible. But we all contributed to it. We all put material in there. And then the master tapestry maker fills it out and completes it in ways that we could not even ask or imagine. So yeah, what you do in those instances matters. To live under the lordship of Jesus and to take seriously the things that he taught 
and showed in his life. So to live as Jesus as Lord means that we live with that kingdom of heaven. That is here. It is here. And our citizenship is firmly within the kingdom of heaven. So that we can begin living that here now. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.